Good morning. My name is Renika Cheney, and the reading today comes from Romans, Zephaniah, and Matthew. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we, we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Merry Christmas to y'all. Yeah. And uh, I'll be saying that again on, uh, Christmas, at the Christmas Eve service on the 24th. Be here, y'all, 630. Just take a little break. Come on out. Get your mind and heart straight before you go to bed that night. Or, you know, you, you want to have good gifts in the morning, then no, just kidding. Uh, we preach the gospel here. So I think the title of the sermon is, uh, I mean, the homily. Homily means a very short sermon, okay? Um, but I told Amari, if, if I'm going to have to do the homily this year, Josh, our pastor, Josh Kim, our assistant pastor, he, he's done the sermon for the last two years, and now that he's come on staff, he was like, I'm not preaching this year. So he's making demands already. <laughs> and so it fell to me to do the homily. And I told them, if I do the homily, I'm going to preach hard for 10 to 15 minutes, okay? I'm going to find a way to sweat in those 10 to 15 minutes. So I'm going, we're going we're gonna to hear, hear it. It ain't going to be cute because um, I'm not going to have the time to be cute, right? Um, I'm just going to get up here and preach. Um, so, no, just c come out. Come out to that. Um, I think the title of the sermon is, You Better Not Cry, question mark, right? Um, what's that line from that story, from that song mean? And I didn't know what I was going to preach on until LeVan said, You ever heard the, the story about Santa Claus and you better not cry? That is not at all the gospel. And I'm like, that is good, LeVan. Thank you. So, LeVan McLean, thank you for the sermon, the homily this week. Um, maybe if we were in a different denomination, you could preach it this week. But uh, thank you so much for preaching it through me. Thank you. Um, so we, we continue in our grace-filled sermon series. Um, and this week, um, we look at what it means to have fellowship with the Father, right? To have an interactive relationship with God, to have a prayer life and a life of open communication between us and God. 
which for all of us is a lot easier said than done, right? Prayer is like saying we're having boneless, skinless chicken breast, right? If someone says, come over, we're going to have boneless, skinless chicken breast or turkey breast. We're going to put it on the grill, right? Our hope is a nice hickory smoked flavored, juicy experience. But for most of us, nine times out of ten, it's going to be a labor. It's going to be dry. Ain't got no skin on it. Don't have no fat on it. But you got to eat, right? You got to be grateful. You got to be on your best behavior, even if the meat is dry. And our prayer lives can so easily become like that. They can so easily devolve into being polite and necessary in ways we simply order up things from God. He's our divine Amazon.com prime, right? Prayer is one of those subjects that I could and should have a sermon series on its own, and maybe I will. So I'm going to go ahead and recommend um, Paul Miller's book, A Praying Life. I have a copy out there for you to look at, for you to check it out. I recommend that you get it. It is the best I've read and experienced from it on prayer. You know, it's one of those books that you just keep going back to when things get dry in your prayer life to remind you this is a lifelong journey communicating and fellowshipping with God, right? Some of you know in your own relationships, in your own personal life, right? You got to go to counseling every now and then because things get off track, right? Same thing in your relationship with the Lord. Prayer, communicating with God. Sometimes you got to go back. So I recommend that book. So I cannot give you and go into as much depth, depth as Paul does, um, Paul Miller does, not Paul the Apostle. Paul Miller does in his book or even exhaust what the Bible has to say about it today. My goal this morning in concert with this series is to link the gospel message of us being sons of God, right? Link to that gospel message of us being heirs of God, children of God, linking that to our prayer lives. This is important because more often than not, our prayers are a bunch of requests and desires disconnected from a vibrant, intimate relationship with God. And when the answers to those requests and desires fail to be what we want, so does our relating to God, and that shouldn't be. It is time we stop living less of what God has so abundantly and marvelously provided us through and in prayer and seek and experience a relationship with a God who is more than a father, right? In three ways I want us to recognize and explore today. First, prayer, interactive, living fellowship with God is, first of all, being in the same space as God. Secondly, prayer is God communicating to us. And finally, prayer is us communicating with God. Look at the beginning section of the Zephaniah passage. It says here, The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. 
And then look at our Romans passage, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And then, of course, in verse 7 of the Matthew passage, Jesus says this, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, um, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. I have the wrong verse. Verse 9, rather. Let me go there. Pray then like this, he says. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. These scriptures reveal the the relationship between God and man, right? That he is God. He's in heaven. He's divine. And we are not. That we are at the very best. This is good news. Adopted as his children and therefore not deserving or earning to pray and deserve anything, right, from God. This is not a business relationship. Prayer is about being family. Jesus tells his listeners not to pray like the Gentiles do. And in context of the Jewish community he would be speaking to, it means don't pray or approach God in prayer like you are not in the family, as if you are separated from him, which unfortunately is the case for all people, all of us, right? That like the Gentiles, uh, we, we come into this world far from God because of sin and only come into his space if and as he comes into ours. Zephaniah's point is clear. God came into our midst. It can't and doesn't initiate the other way around. He came into our mess into our brokenness with what and for what Zephaniah tells us to save us from our brokenness. This idea should be fresh this time of year, right? It's in our songs and on our cards, right? Emmanuel, God with us, God born to and among us. You and I can relate with God, be in the same space with God, have a conversation with him only because he has decided by grace to listen to us and speak to us and open the lines of communication to us, which means he, the Lord, sets the method. He sets the way, the two and four. He sets how to have right relationship and relating with him. And this is what he has decided is right relationship especially as it pertains to fellowshipping and praying and spending time with him. And Jesus lets us know what that is. Do you see it? Do you see the right relationship God requires? That we relate to him as a heavenly father who has revealed himself and come into our lives, not only as a heavenly father, but as our daddy, our Abba. There's not one of us in here who have not experienced fatherly parental absence, right? Some sort of them missing us or or, or missing out on us in some way. Even if you couldn't say it out loud, under our breath, we thought, he doesn't get me or she doesn't get me, right? Even with good earthly fathers, the best fathers, along with those whose experiences on the other end of the spectrum, where there's no or little earthly father interaction outside of biological, of someone who's a father who's just not there enough or fully or never really been in your life. 
You know, I had a childhood friend who, who got the best gifts at Christmas. Man, if there was the newest bike, he always had it, right? He, he was the only one who got the Michael Jackson Beat It jacket. <laughs> the one on the back rack. Y'all, y'all don't understand that. See, I, I came along in the 80s, right? So at merry-go-round, y'all remember them? It, okay, it was a store in the mall that had, you know, stuff for that era. They even had the, you know, the spiked wristband, so when you pop and lock it, it looks right. <laughs> you know, they had the shirt that buttoned over, you know, you know what I'm saying. You had to look with the baggy pants. When you, that's how you looked when you went to the parties. If, the, if a breakdancing fight breaks out, you're ready to go, <laughs> you know. But they had the Michael Jackson jacket, the beaded one, and they had the fake ones, right, at the front. No chain to those. You could walk out with that, right? But my friend got the real one with a lock on it. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, this is the one Michael wore, right? Like, this is, the, this is the level he had in the video. Just beat it, right? He had, that was the one. He had the latest gold chain, too. That big, thick herringbone chain. You know that one that lays flat on your skin and shimmers? What? I wanted one of those chains. We would be jealous. Sometimes he'd be carrying around. Like, I remember one summer, y'all. I'm trying to think what summer it was. And I'm trying not to get off because then we'll be here too long. But it's just something I remember thinking, I wish I was him. He showed up and he had this thing like this big. Right? A Walkman. I was like, what are you doing, man? He's like, my dad bought me a Walkman. It plays cassettes right there. You can walk around with it. Walkman. He didn't have the Daiwa one, he had the Walkman. The real one. I was so jealous until I realized that the gifts and money and child support came through these extravagant things because his father never came. And all the years, I saw all the gifts, but I never met his father. He was known, but not present. But there was no way my friend was known by him. He and his father lived in different spaces, not just geographically, but emotionally, spiritually, socially, even if he got all the good gifts. Look at what Jesus says here in in the Matthew passage about our father. Again, look at verse 7 and 8. I think I'm reading the right one this time. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. And then look at the Romans passage in verse 26 and 27. It says here, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
In the beginning of our Zephaniah passage, it doubles down and it says, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. Do you hear that about the God of the Bible? He is in the same space as his people, right? He's not just answering what they want. He is where he needs to be. He's committed and then communicated that he is in a tight relationship with his people. He is intimate with them. He is close to them. He knows them. He is knowing them. He has known them. He's never absent from them. Your father, God, God, your father is with you as close as anyone or anything can be, even yourself. Get this, God is less alienated, according to the Romans passage, from who you are than you are yourself. He's closer to you than you are to yourself. You know, I've told y'all this. My dad used to say this statement all the time. Howard, I know you better than you know yourself. Really, dad? Don't you, some of your parents, you know your kids, you be there before they there, like where they get there mentally, you're like, I was already here, waiting. I was thinking this, dad, mm-hmm, I know. How did, how did you know? Because I know you. There's nothing hidden around you or before you or behind you or in you to your heavenly father. This is the father you and I who are fathers want to be. Right? And deep tack down what all of us in here long for, whether we can articulate it or not. Because with earthly fathers, there's bound to be some place, some way, some gap, some space, some back door that has been left open, or some closet that is closed up because of fear or lack of belief that anyone could ever or would ever love you if they knew this about you. That if they got a look at the real you, they would run or shut down in disappointment. But the Lord, the Father God of right relationship, has said, I am the perfect father. Father, I have never not known you and will never not be in the right space with you. Prayer has become so fancied and formal that we've forgotten that it is God spending his time with us and spending his time on us. God being in fellowship and community and connection because he wants to with us. This knowledge should do more than drive us or motivate us or, or even give us inspiring energy because I, I know how these, these, these talks go. Oh no, I'm going to start this, this prayer thing in my life. Great, right? But, but that, this is not, the response shouldn't be sort of like the American kind of driven response where I've got all the information. God is with me. God, oh, I'm going to go do it. Will you kind of use him as fuel in the tank? This kind of truth about God being a father in the same space as you, it hugs you. It holds you. It's not just information. It it embraces you. It is God's Holy Spirit uh, outpacing you. It goes before and around you. It envelops and draws you into the space because it is a living truth that God actually wraps his arms and welcome and draws even the most reluctant and skeptical and hurt among us. 
Because contrary to popular belief and practice and sometimes even the feel of it, prayer is primarily and first about the Lord communicating to us. Do you see the tilt of these passages? Again, these are written for and about people. I know it's hard to see. When you look in context, you can't always see it immediately. But do you know what these scriptures are written for? Do you know who Jesus is talking to? These are written for and about people who either lack confidence to come before God because they are condemned or have wrong confidence because they are self-righteous. Either way, this is not for the people who have a good prayer life. This was not written for people who got it together. This was not written for people who, 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 who easily follow directions and always get it right the first time. And oftentimes, whether you are feeling condemned or have wrong confidence, what does it lead to? A frozen, stuck, and cold interaction with the Lord. It's why Roman, the Romans passage talks about fear and slavery. We have the equivalent, hear, hear me, of cold feet spiritually. Something in us says, and it becomes such a normal feeling that we don't recognize it, as, recognize it for what it is. But there, there's a sense in which we don't move towards the Lord because we live in fear. Or we're in bondage to doing things our way. So it makes sense that the conversation relating that prayer starts with, Right? that it starts with the Lord first and primarily communicating to us. Look at the Romans passage again. Look at verse 14 through 16 with me. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Hear this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And then again, the the Zephaniah passage, we we can wear this out, that the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. And then Jesus, the good news, the very mission and message of the law from heaven, from God says, pray like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Prayer is a conversation and relationship with the broken that the Lord started a long time ago. By saying, this is who I am. I am your father. I am a father. I am a daddy to my children. I am in your midst. I am here. The the one in heaven, inversely, the God you know in heaven, he is your father. And let me tell you, this is not some cognitive ancestry.com thing, right? Or, or, or Amari Povich show reveal. And the father is, right? And you get to see it. Romans says that God communicated not only in the Bible, right? Oh, who's God? He's your heavenly father. Oh, great. And the envelope says God in heaven is your father, Right? It says he reveals himself, hear me, to and in our hearts. That he spiritually says hello. 
that he spiritually contacts us and connects us. That God first prays, this is going to sound strange, God first prays to us. Do you see that? That he speaks to our hearts. That he speaks to our stubbornness and fears and sinfulness and hard-heartedness. He breaks in. He speaks and prays for us, which, which means more here than, than just making a request on our behalf. Here it means God calling out for us, calling to us that I, God, your father, am the one your heart is missing and has missed. Come on, heart. Come on, you. Come over here. He speaks to our hearts by the Holy Spirit to revive us and awaken us to who he is. That the first prayer is God's prayer to and for you. So here's a thought. When you forget to pray or refuse to pray, and from us who didn't know the Lord all our lives, before you even know him, God is powerfully and was powerfully praying, pleading, speaking towards you. He woke up. Well, he never sleeps. Just helps us think about it. He woke up and prayed for into the hearts of every one of us that are his. When you got up and forgot, he didn't. We think our prayer life depends on us. It starts with us. God's already been up praying for you. Because if he doesn't, if he didn't pray for you, you would fall apart. Why are you still here? It isn't because you have such a great prayer life. It's because God does. Our spiritual identity would be, would be swallowed up by the darkness and fear and ambition, especially at Christmas time. I don't know why y'all keep being Christ, Christians at Christmas. Everything about Christmas outside of what happens around the gospel, man, makes me not want to be saved. It makes me think I can't buy this. I can't do this. I can't go here, right? I can't go on a Disney Christmas cruise. I'm in the wrong profession. My goal, I just need to make more money. I need to be rich so I can have a good Christmas. You see everything. So why are we here? Not because you prayed. Not because you're prayerful. But because God is. God is communicating to you and praying, hear me, for you. And for you then goes two ways, as in, Howard, your daddy is calling for you, better come. Or, or if I can't make a phone call to an authority, you know what it says? Your dad will call for you, right? In your place, for your needs. And both are going on in God's prayer, right? Look at Matthew passage in verses seven through eight again. He says, Jesus says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. And then the Romans passage, it says that the spirit intercedes for us. The one who knows our hearts and knows the mind of God prays for us. It begins to come clear that prayer is God interceding for you. Taking your broken and messed up condition and heart. The one we've already discovered, he knows better than you. And Romans says, he groans for you, passionately communicates and connects on your behalf. Have you ever thought about this? Again, the most powerful part of your prayer life 
It's not by you, but God for you. Because you aren't covering and aren't able to cover yourself like you should as well as he wants to see you covered and convinced in this broken, dangerous, and damaging world. You know, my mom was a prayer intercessor. She would pray for us. And I know because I'm here. Right? In my right mind. Writer than it could have been. Okay. More writer. I'm going. Some bad grammar right there, but you get the point. I used to think, Mama, why don't you come down and watch a movie? Nope, I got to pray. Oh, what? I'd be so upset. When we couldn't, she wouldn't even come down. And then I realized we'd be downstairs watching TV, playing a video game, that Atari. Had to blow on the cartridge. That's how long I played it. Y'all don't know about blowing on the cartridge, do you? That thing used to heat up and lock on you back in the day. It didn't have an internal fan. Not one that worked anyway. But she was upstairs. I could hear her sometimes through the floor. Like through, downstairs in the den. Her room was right above us. And I could, I could hear her. She was upstairs praying for us. While we were praying to something or someone else. We made it because mama was praying for us better than we could or would for ourselves. Kind of like you do for your kids. You intercede all the time. They don't know the call you made to the teacher. They didn't know the thing you did at night to make sure they had it in the morning. Right? They sleep and I see them. And there's their clothes. Sometimes, you know, the clothes are in the wash. They need it in the morning. They want to look fresh. You do it. They wake up. They don't even say thank you sometimes. I look good. What happened? Right? How did things get clean? Why don't I have diseases growing all over me? I mean, somebody cleaned it. Mama cleaned it. Right? Clark wasn't feeling good. Kelly went through the house spraying Lysol. Right? Why aren't we all just sick? Someone interceded with Lysol spray. Remote didn't work, but... Think I sprayed too much. It got stuck on up. It'll dry out. Everything's broken. The disease, the virus, whatever, and the remote, right? With the Lord, there is a never-ending, eternal, most powerful prayer meeting going on for you by the Lord through the Holy Spirit. In your heart, from your heart into heaven. But there's the other for you, the calling on and out to get you, to gain you, to draw you close. But this is not a hey you. This is a transformative, affectionate, you need to know this about yourself from me for, right? Look at Zephaniah passage again. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. And then in the Romans passage in, in verse 16, it says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. As the Lord is calling for us, he's calling to ourselves to what and who we should be. To know and express how he sees and feels and has predestined us to be. Now, Kelly and I do it all the time. Big difference, right? When I say, Kelly, 
or boys, right? Big difference if I say baby, sweetie, or son, right? A tone, a level, a volume, an inflection makes so much difference. Because with what and how we call for each other, I have invited them to a role. Do you hear me? I've invited them to a posture before me. I knew my dad when he would say, Howard, I was getting a spanking, right? (laughs) Son, yes, I'm getting something, right? Good. And it changes the way I am. Howard, right? Oh, my boys know it. Boys, that means there's something to do. And they come down, oh, Lord, what I got to do, right? That's why it's talked about God calling to our hearts, right? It sets our hearts and minds toward him in a certain way. And the Lord, Zephaniah says, God rejoices. The word for rejoice, do you know what that means? I was looking at it. It means to physically spin around. God, when he calls on us, he does the happy dance. You know, one of these things, right? He he does and, and then sings loudly when he comes towards us. He welcomes and invites us and calls for us in a way that sets us free from a posture of condemnation. God melts us. He untwists and untangles the complicated things in us. He allows us to be a child who who can trust. God melts us and, and praying for us, his call, his prayer for us. It transforms us away from the adults the world says we have to be and into children, into beloved, into wanted, into loved, into freed, into desired, into safe, into secure. When God prays for us, it transforms us. Do you hear him calling for you? With singing. When God calls for you to spend time with him, he calls you to to an environment that's like a party. Dancing and loud rejoicing, my daughter, my son, my child is here. He's back. He's with me. Mine is is not lost. It's found. It's safe with me. It belongs never to be lost with me. Do you hear God through his word and by his spirit as Romans saying, communicating affectionately, you are mine. You are not gone too far. You and I are good and I'm good with you even if you aren't doing so well. Here is the craziness. God doesn't wait for you to call, doesn't wait to call you when you call him. This is God in heaven, y'all. He's doing this from his space in our space. Even if you're sleeping, even if you're sleeping on him, right? I remember we first, the first pregnancy with Harrison, we were crazy. Like, we just loved it. And we bought that belly thing. You remember that belly thing? You wrap around the stomach and you could talk into it. Oh. You know, they, they just trying to get money from new crazy parents like us. 
So we go to Babies R Us or whatever, and they had that thing, talk to your baby now. And then they had all the scientific data. Well, I don't know if it's scientific, maybe Fisher-Price research. <laughs> it's a toy for parents. Just deal with it, okay? And then we put it around the belly. Hello there, Harrison. It's your, why did we do the crazy voice? It's your dad. Right? <laughs> we would speak to him, and some of y'all speak to your children. Hey, baby. Right? <laughs> Even when the baby's sleeping, I've seen it. I've done it. Hey. Oh, look at you. You're amazing. You're wonderful. I love you. The baby don't have to respond. You know, spending time with the Lord is about finally opening yourself up and being opened by God to actively hear his affectionate and powerful calls for you and about you that no one else could be trusted and would be able to say. When that kind of love drops on you, pulls you in, it will open your heart, right? Look at verse 14 in Romans. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And then not immediately seen in, um, let, me, let me keep reading. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back in fear. This is the Romans passage, sorry. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And then not immediately seen in your passage in Matthew, Jesus does use an Aramaic form of father here. Interpreted, you guessed it, Abba. And then hallowed be your name. Hallowed means holy. It means nothing like it. It means this name, nothing else affects the world or my life or is powerful in my life like being able to say the name Abba. That my life responds over God who has told me and expressed to me he's for me. Remember last week's sermon, we, we talked about Romans as saying, we cry, Abba, Father. We cry out of response, in response to God's cry for and to us. Prayer is responding to him. And what is that response? Crying, hollowing God's name. And I looked at the word for crying. You know what it means? Crying. It has some deeper means. Shrieking, right? Shrieking or whatever. Loud wailing, yelling out to scream. It means letting your heart and life emotions on 10 out of your mouth. To no longer be suppressed and oppressed to silence, but be bold with yours before a holy God. To like God in Zephaniah, joining God in his intensity. Being like God in his prayer life. To dance, to let joy out if there is joy. To let pain out if there is pain. To let urgency and hunger out if you're hurting and where you're empty physically and emotionally. And for that, Jesus says this in verse 7. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. In part, Jesus saying prayer, fellowship with God is not a formal thing from your side. 
God has already handled the formalities. He's already paid for your adoption. He has gone ahead and prayed for you and to you. And so guess what? You are free to cry. You're free to go to him. You're free to fall into him. Let it out. Cry out of response to God's crying out to you. God is loud with his love, the Bible says. And we are loud with our love back. God is loud with his power and we are loud with our weakness. God is loud with his security and we answer back. We're loud with him, with our fears. God is there, is there with his being our daddy and we are out there acting like a child in need. Prayer is a conversation and a response and reaction between the daddy and his children. You ever have a kid bump their head and you respond to the noise with shock before they do? Right, you hear boom, boom, boom. Oh, Lord, and you run in there the next room. And they're not crying yet until you go, oh my gosh. Ah! <laughs> then they cry. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and, and sometimes I would go in there and I'd be like, ha, ha, oh, you failed. Okay, wow, get up, buddy. And no cry. You know, God's respond to your brokenness. God's cried for you. He's concerned for you. And that's what prompts our prayer lives. That God comes and sees our condition. He's present. He hears the bump. He sees the bruises. Sometimes he sees the bruises worse than you do. You remember you took Clark to the, to the park and he split his head open. You remember that? He was like, Mommy, come. And he ran, hit his head on the board. And Kelly's like, oh, my gosh. You said you saw the thing split open. Right before he even knew he was split open. God sees it. And our response is, how is my daddy seeing me? What is he saying about me? Is he hurt for me? Is he sorrowful for me? Is he joyful over me? His response defines and drives my response. That is prayer. Do you cry, Abba, Father? Will you call out Abba, Father, with and for and to a God who cries and calls and seeks and embraces and has a worship service over you? Will you be a son? I believe you will. Because I believe in a God who says he is our Father and Abba, Father. And of course we have requests. I'm going to finish up with this request piece. Because I know y'all been waiting. Well, how do I get what I want, right? I've done too. I'm reading that prayer book by Paul Miller. I'm like, blah, 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 blah. Dad, Abba, okay. Where's, get, how can, where, where's the chapter on getting a car, right? Where's the chapter on getting the, my bills paid? It's there, right? Eventually, Jesus does come and talk about what? Pray to God for your daily bread. All right, it's in there. Zephaniah says he's our miss as a God who saves. And Romans talks about weaknesses and God's going to deal with them. But the reason Jesus starts with Abba, Father, and then downplays trying to tell God what you need. Imagine this. You know what prayer is for. I need help, God. I need this. I want this. Please, God. Oh, my gosh. I'm feeling hurt. All right, great. You're crying. But Jesus comes along and says, don't pray with a lot of words. It's like he's trying to hurt the prayer life. Don't pray with a bunch of words. Don't try to convince God. He already know what you want. That takes the drama out of prayer, Jesus. Right? 
He's not trying to take the drama out of prayer. He's trying to put the power of what prayer is there, right? Because the Bible's teaching that prayer is not just requesting from God. It is requesting in a way that God himself comes to you as your daddy. See, in the request, God comes to show himself to you as the overseer, as a guarantor, the, the trustee of the request, to get the comforter of the request more than getting the, the comfort, the answer or answer of what we want. It is about him showing up as the one receiving our request in prayer because he knows better than we do so that we can know him and love him better than we do. And how hard prayer can be when it is a botched supply chain where we think it's because we haven't communicated well or failed God or God is mad at us or we didn't fast enough or we didn't pray enough. Or, oh, man, I sinned two weeks ago and that's why I didn't get what I want. And Jesus and Matthew is trying to keep us from that. Look how prayer requests are answered in Zephaniah. Look at the end here. He will rejoice over you with gladness. Look at this. He will quiet you by his love. He'll quiet you with what? Not just with stuff. Not with just the products. Not with demanded results. But love. Not with something like an absentee father could send in the mail or wire or transfer into your account. He's giving you what only a present father, Abba, Daddy can. When we pray out of our response to God's prayer, his being our Abba Father, not only are our prayers transformed by faith, but the complete end of prayer is this, that we are transformed by prayer. From an orphan level identity and prayer life of just I want you to do this and give me this, Lord, to I want to be I want you to be my daddy and I want to be present with you, God. In my prayer request, I need to see you sing over me. I need to know you're dancing over me. I need you to hold me and tell me again about our relationship, Father. I need to collapse my urgency into the reality of your loving presence and power and have you delight over me again and again. You know, Jesus could guarantee us that kind of visit, that kind of love, that kind of fellowship and good answer from God, a good father. You know how? Because God the Father answered him, Jesus, on the cross. He answered Jesus' prayers as he bore our sins with abandonment. God was absent to Jesus on the cross. He answered Jesus with condemnation, with rejection, with sadness. God yelled at him and against him and not for him. On the cross, Jesus became a fatherless child so that he could give us the good news that God answers his children in everything, every time, is our father. Because he's more than a father. He's our daddy with loud singing, delight, crying, empathy, and knowing us. He's more than a father. 
He's our daddy. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you called out for us and you've given us in Christ the freedom to answer with cries. Help us, Lord. It's easy to fall out of relationship. We don't recognize who we are and who you are. Help us to continue to have fellowship with you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.